you'd like to follow along in your Bibles, we will be looking at Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. And we'll pray for the Spirit's guidance. Lord and our God, as we open your book of life, I just pray that you reveal some truth to us. Give, some, give us some peace and comfort from your word, O oh Lord. I pray that you help me to represent you properly in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew 1, starting in verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people and from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took her. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You may be seated. We're coming to another narrative concerning the birth of Jesus. In Matthew's version, he kind of gives a, the angle concerning Joseph. And compared to Luke's version of the birth, this is far more condensed. Kind of a short version. But no less important. It's the inspired word of God. So there's lessons, there's teachings in these verses for us. And Matthew is talking about these divine circumstances which occurred concerning the, Lord, the Lord's birth. Notice how he starts out. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. This is a matter-of-fact statement. He says, this is what happened. This is how it is. This is history. He states it clearly. This is a historical record. 
This is a miraculous record of the birth of our Savior. No wavering. This is how it was. This is how he presents it. You know, I know we live in a world, and I think the virgin birth and the resurrection are two of the most attacked things in the Christian religion. How can you believe in the miraculous? How can you not believe in the miraculous? When we look at the wonders of this world, the wonders of our human bodies, how can you not believe in the miraculous? A God who is so far greater than us. It's like we're looking through stained glass seeing a small fragment of His greatness on this side of eternity. I've witnessed the people I work with, they said, well, I'll never believe in a God that I don't fully understand. How ridiculous. How ridiculous. What type of God would that be if you fully understood Him? As I mentioned earlier, for the believers, for us, Christianity's backbone is in the miraculous realm. The divine realm. We are served by God, saved by God, loved by God, but it's far, far greater than ourselves. The real miracle is, is that He sends the Holy Spirit or we would not understand anything about our God. It says, when his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph. Now this is similar to engagement, what we have today. However, it was a far greater commitment. I think all of us have seen where some engagements have been broken, called off for one reason or another. What happens? Well, there's some bruised hearts, maybe some angry spirits, upset families, but there really aren't any real legal ramifications. However, a patrol was far greater than just an engagement, the way we know it. It was a family agreement, as well as a legal contract in Jewish society. It was a legal contract. It was as if you were already married, or partially married. The betrothal usually took about a a year before the wedding. And it was a time where the young woman would stay in the family's house, but now she would be preparing 
to run her own household. She would be taught by the older women, the aunts, the mothers, what to prepare for, how to prepare for setting up a household, what she would need. She was looked at more as a wife than as a child. And for the man, it was the same thing. It was time for him to seek the counsel of older men and to set up a household for himself, perhaps build a house, prepare everything he needed for his trade so he could support a wife and a family. But it was even more than that. If for some reason the betrothal was to be broken, there had to be proof of wrongdoing. They would have to go through a divorce. It was a legal contract. But because normally, in most circumstances, not always, the betrothal was among younger people, younger children, who are stepping into adulthood. There was leeway in how a broken betrothal could be dealt with. You could push it into the courts, push it to its limits. Put it in the public realm. Prove the wrongdoing. Or you could keep it quietly among the families. Between the relatives. And try to have this breakup kept under cover, under scrutiny as best as possible. It appears the offended party was the one who controlled how this process would proceed. Before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. Mary was found to be with child. Saints, this is as serious as it yet could be. Joseph knew he was not the father. He was the offended party. In his eyes, his bride-to-be was cheating on him. He could take this to the public courts. He could push it. And many believe he could push it right up to the death penalty for Mary. In his anger and his hurt, was there the temptation to do that? Well, yeah, he was pondering what to do. And you know, we're really not told much about Joseph in the Scriptures. But what we are told 
in these few verses. We're told he was a just man, a thoughtful man. See, he had the option to keep it private, to keep it among the families, to try to protect Mary's reputation, not to get vengeance against her, not to publicly shame her, but to say, this isn't going to work, but I'm not going to press it into the legal system to embarrass her. Let's just dissolve this among the families. Either way, Mary's reputation would be destroyed. I want you to think about that. God calls Mary for this beautiful task where she says, from now on, all women will call me blessed. It starts off where people in the community would be calling her much less than blessed. You know how it is with the gossip and the... What was it, Will Rogers said, a lie makes it halfway around the world before the truth puts its boots on, I think, something like that. You know, even in the Amish community where there's no communication, I can be over by the Amish store 15 miles away and hear some news about a family that somebody got hurt, and I come home and tell my neighbors, oh, we already know that. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing how <coughs> information travels. It tells us, and her husband Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame. He resolved to divorce her quietly. Joseph would be put to shame as well. Your betrothed cheated on you? How come the wedding's off, Joseph? Small town like Nazareth? Everybody's going to know. Many of the older people, would, like when Jesus said, he without sin casts the first stone, would understand the human condition of sin and realize it's not the end of the world and would hold their silence not to spread and cause more hurt. But either way, Joseph's reputation would be damaged. But notice... He's a just man. He's a kind man. He feels he's the one who's been sinned against. Yet his heart goes toward the offending party, Mary. He wants to do it as quietly as possible. Truly, Joseph was a just and a forgiving man. Or boy, We're going to step back a little bit to verse 18, and it says, Before they came together, she is silent to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And in Luke 1, it tells us, And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High 
will overshadow, overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Can you imagine that? The Holy Spirit overshadowing you, hovering around you. You know, just like in creation. So the earth was dark and void, yet the Holy Spirit was hovering over the waters. And all this life formed, the planet formed, the earth formed, created by the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit hovering around Mary and the incarnate Christ is conceived. What happened when the Holy Spirit hovered around you as a believer? That irresistible grace Second 2 Corinthians 5.17 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, a new has come. Yes, that Holy Spirit hovered around each and every believer and transformed us into a new creation. How can, I'll ask you again, how can any believer feel offended if somebody says, oh, you believe in a miraculous faith? I sure do. Miraculous. That one day we're enemies of God. And the Holy Spirit hovers around us and we're a new creation at peace with God, praising God. As Calvin says, having made a complete atonement, he brings us a free pardon, which delivers us from condemnation to death and reconciles us to God. Again, by the sanctifying influence of his Spirit, he frees us from the tyranny of Satan that we may live unto righteousness. Miraculous transformation. When the Holy Spirit moves, miracles happen. Joseph didn't understand the miracle in Mary as of yet. He is pondering his predicament, pondering hers. He is trying to make the best human decision possible. But he made a wrong decision. He was going to put her away, even quietly. But as he considers these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, 
Do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. In this short narrative, this is the second time we're reminded that her conception was of the Holy Spirit. You know, Joseph is called here the son of David. He's told what to do. But more than that, he fills the qualification for being our Lord's stepfather it's from the line of David. Mary's from the line of David. Important because it fulfills prophecy. Another miraculous thing about Christianity, the fulfillment of prophecy. You know, from Isaiah 11, there shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from the roots shall bear fruit. And the Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, and the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by what his eyes see, or decide disputes by what he hears let his ears hear. He'll do it by divine knowledge. You know, I got to admit, you know, when I, was, when I was raised Catholic, and we heard a lot of scripture at Christmas time talking about the prophecies concerning Jesus and. And sometimes when you go back and you read some of these prophecies, you look in the context of that. In my mind, sometimes I thought, boy, that's questionable. Is that really talking about Jesus? Because it might be one line where he comes in there talking about other nations, then a line comes in and they say, that's talking about the birth of our Lord. And I struggled with that. I thought, I don't know. When did they decide this? But it's amazing how the Scripture makes things clear because in Acts it tells us when it was decided. It was when Jesus told the disciples on the road to Emmaus that these Scriptures are the ones talking about me. Case settled. Scripture will interpret Scripture. Our doubts will be erased when we keep seeking the truth. And yes, Joseph and Mary both came from the Davidic line as Jesus would come from. It tells us she will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he 
will save his people from their sins. You know, normally it was the father's duty to name the son or the children. The authority figure would name them, just like Adam named the animals. But here, Joseph really isn't the authority figure, is he? This is God's son. They chose the name. But what a name, because he will save his people. Are you one of his people? One of his saved? All believers are. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. You know, and this is fulfillment of prophecy from Isaiah 7. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. God with us. It's more a title of description of what this child would be. God with us. Can there be any more wonderful words? For people who love God, for people that the Holy Spirit has hovered around and transformed our lives, to now be told that God is with us? Within us? What a wonderful reminder. You know, we had a lot of prayers today for people that we love and care about, difficulties. And it should burden our hearts. But it should never rob us of the joy that God is with us. The creator of the universe is still with us. He has not abandoned us. He will never leave us when we truly believe. Nothing will separate us from his love. It does not mean we won't have trials. We're told we'll have trials of many kinds. But he had overcome the world. Isn't that amazing? God is with us here today. He'll be here with us through all eternity. He will never forsake or leave us. When Joseph woke from the sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Here we see the faithfulness of Joseph. Open to the Spirit's leading. 
He took Mary. He named the son Jesus. He knew that even by taking her, some in the community would be, did you hear about Mary and Joseph? Joseph did his calling in spite of that, in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the the rough path laid before this young couple, and burdened even more when they had to travel to Bethlehem with her being ready to give birth. They knew that Holy Spirit had hovered around Mary. They knew that Holy Spirit was hovering around each of them. God was with them just as He's with us. It does not mean that our God will have us avoid all trials. It means He will be with us through the trials giving us strength to endure the trials. At times carrying us through those trials when we cannot walk by ourselves. God with us. That is why God's church will advance. God will see his son rule this earth. All kings and all nations will bow down to him, not only in eternity, but here on earth. Because we have a divine, miraculous God that we serve, who is all-powerful, and he is Lord of lords and King of kings, sitting at the right hand of the Father, now ruling. And his kingdom will never end. Let us pray. Our Lord and our God, as we look at your lovely words of Scripture this morning, God with us. We just thank you and praise you that that you felt us worthy to be saved by the Lamb. We thank you that you sent the Holy Spirit to hover around each and one, every one of us to convict us of our sins and bring us to repentance. And I pray, O Lord, that we advance that to this world and share our miraculous faith with others. In Jesus' name, amen.